0: Is it possible to face opposition to your faith in Jesus and still have joy? Well, we've been seeing the answer in Philippians, the answer is yes, right? You know that the answer is yes. If you've been here for any of our study, you've been hearing this. It is possible to face opposition to your faith in Jesus and still have joy. We saw it last week as we looked at verses 12 through 14 in Philippians 1. What about when someone in the church opposes you? Can you still keep your joy then? (laughs) What about when someone in the church opposes you? Or maybe by someone you've served with alongside in the church. Or maybe you're being opposed by... Someone from another church. I appreciate what uh, John MacArthur says in his commentary on this passage. He says this, One of the most discouraging experiences for a servant of God is that of being falsely accused by fellow believers, especially co-workers in the church. To be maligned by an unbeliever is expected. To be maligned by another believer is unexpected. The pain runs very deep when one's ministry is slandered, misrepresented, and unjustly criticized by fellow preachers and teachers of the gospel. That is precisely the situation Paul faced in Rome where some of the church leaders in opposition to him were preaching Christ even from envy and strife. We're going to see that this morning. This is not a new problem. This is not a new problem. The church in Paul's day experienced this kind of pettiness firsthand, and we can call this pettiness. It can be discouraging. and We're even at risk of being people who care more about our own feelings than we do the cause of Christ if we are not careful. I think we need to take a passage like this personally. We need to examine our own hearts first, always. Sometimes it's the easily offended who can create strife and conflict for people in the church. Sometimes it's people who are envious and selfishly ambitious who create problems or go about trying to tear others down or hinder the ministry of other people. But I want you to see this today. Even this, even hardship and difficulty like this shouldn't stop Our joy in the Lord shouldn't keep us from rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ, our strength, our hope, our all. As we continue our look at Philippians today, we're going to see how Paul was able to keep his joy in spite of what was happening to him and around him. He was able to keep his joy in spite of this hardship, in spite of hurt that other people were trying to cause him. So look with me at verses 15 through 18 this morning as I read from the English Standard Version. You follow along in your copy of God's Word. Philippians 1, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former... Proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. Amen Amen indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the wisdom of Your Word. And you know how desperately we need your wisdom. Lord, help us to see how desperately we need your wisdom. Lord, help us to humble ourselves before you in this moment and ask that you would speak to us from the pages of your word, the word that you have been so good to give us. God, help us to see how these words apply to us in our lives today and how we can honor you by being obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Opposition from people within the church, or opposition from people who have been a part of a ministry that you are a part of, can be very discouraging. If you've not experienced it, you can take my word for it. It's very discouraging. But what's encouraging from the passage before us is that in spite of the opposition, Paul was able to keep his joy. I'm not suggesting this is easy, but it's possible. And it's something that we ought to aim for. Come what may, whatever comes, we want to cling to the joy that we have in Jesus Christ, that He makes ours when we trust in Him. How could Paul do this? How could he be joyful? Remember the emphasis here last week that Paul was able to keep his joy, even in the face of real opposition and difficulty, because of his singular focus in life. His singular focus his singular passion in life was Jesus Christ and His gospel. It's incredible to think of how far Paul had come. <laughs> he, he, totally, he was totally converted, right? We, he had totally turned from being all sold out to opposing Jesus <laughs> and those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ to, to being all sold out to proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And he had learned that there would be opposition. He was facing it, and yet he had learned how to keep the joy of the Lord as his strength. So how can you keep your joy even if you face difficulty caused, caused by people who oppose you? Maybe they're opposing you from, from within the church. Or maybe they're opposing you from without, uh, outside of this local fellowship, but from some other church or some other believer that you know, it all hinges on Paul's singular focus. And I'm encouraging you and challenging you to make this your focus. His desire to know Jesus, to know Him. And you can know Him. Read your Bible, right? Pray, ask for God's help as you read the Bible, as you begin to know Jesus and know Him personally through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. His passion was to know Jesus, his passion was to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and his passion was to make Jesus known, make the gospel known. So let's start at the end of our passage. I don't do this very often, but let's go to the last verse in the verses that we're looking at here. Go to verse 18. I want to start at the end where we see this so clearly. Look again at verse 18, where we see Paul's focus was on Jesus Christ. You cannot miss this. What then, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. Two words. So what? (laughs) So what? Now, I don't suggest you go around saying that very often because people don't take kindly to us saying so what to what they say (laughs) but these are two words that i think apply here he says what then it's kind of like saying so what what then who cares (laughs) who cares the niv puts it this way but what does it matter but what does it matter well, in the in the overall scheme of things, in the big picture way of thinking, it doesn't. This persecution of Paul, being persecuted by other believers, even is, in Paul's eyes, doesn't matter. It's a so what kind of an attitude. Paul was certainly grieved. I wouldn't suggest that Paul didn't didn't feel this. Wasn't hurt by this. Wasn't discouraged by this. Paul certainly was grieved that there was opposition from within the Christian community. This. This should concern us. We ought not oppose one another. We ought to love one another with a brotherly love, yes? Oh, how sweet it is, says God's word, when brothers dwell together in unity. That's what we ought to be all about. And yes, it can be very hard when you are opposed for your faith by another believer. But Paul wasn't going to let the opposition hinder him he was going to keep his eyes fixed on the lord jesus christ on on his gospel and making it known i'm being opposed says paul but so what well that's an attitude that isn't naturally easy for us is it what is natural is for us to want to respond and to defend ourselves or even lash out our problem is we want to be liked we are people pleasers. We, you know, some of us are more people pleasers than others, but we all want to be liked. We all want to have people on our side and for us and not against us. We want people by our side. We want the support and help of other people. But Paul says, what does it matter? I'm not letting this bother me. I am, I'm refusing to let this slow me down in my purpose of making Jesus known and knowing Him personally. Well, how can he say this? I would say it's because of his singular focus. He has a laser-like focus on knowing Jesus and making Him known, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, making the gospel known. Whether in pretense or in truth, he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I am rejoice. That was all that mattered to Paul. I wonder, what's it going to take for us to get there? <laughs> that, that all that matters to us is that Jesus is proclaimed. Come what may, whatever happens. That's easy to say, right? So another thing when you start facing opposition. Would it hurt if other believers in the area started saying things about us as a church that were untrue? Yes, it would. <laughs> it absolutely would. It would hurt, but we can keep serving with joy. God helps us with this. We can keep serving the Lord Jesus Christ with joy, even in the face of opposition, if we keep Jesus as our focus, if we keep Jesus and making His gospel known as our aim. If there are people who are proclaiming Christ, even if they oppose us, we ought to rejoice. There are plenty of unbelievers to go around. (laughs) There are lots and lots of people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And if there are churches near us who are growing by leaps and bounds because they are proclaiming the good news, even if they oppose us, we ought to thank God for that. And we ought to pray for them that they will continue to be successful in delivering the good news to people who need to be saved. We ought to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, no matter what. Now, I want you to note how Paul responds to these two types of people who are preaching the gospel. One group is preaching out of envy and rivalry, and the other group is preaching out of love and goodwill. Let's deal with the first group first. The troublemaking individuals, (laughs) They were actually believers. Get this, understand this. They're actually believers. Paul is not referring to false teachers here. He's actually speaking of men whose doctrine was sound, but their motives were not. And in verses 15 and 17, he's pointing to the motives of the group which were all wrong. This is kind of baffling, isn't it? How can you have the right message but the wrong motives? It is possible to be there. We could be there if we're not careful. Have the right message and the wrong motive. It happens when you make your aim something other than Jesus and His gospel. You take your focus off Christ. I mean, we could easily be sidetracked by saying, let's fill this place. Let's just get as many people in here as possible. We just want, I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? To be able to spread the gospel to more and more people is the right motive. But we could actually fill this place for the wrong motive. Saying the right things, but have the wrong motive at heart. When you make your aim something other than Jesus and His gospel, no matter what, you can begin to have the wrong motive. You take your focus off Christ. Maybe it's a desire for the church to be seen as successful. We, we want people to see us as successful, and we make that our aim. Maybe we don't even say it out loud, but that's, that's what drives us. That's, that's the wrong motive. Whatever the case, their motives were wrong, and this could be true of us if we're not careful. We could be guilty of having the right message and the wrong motive if we allow anything to take the priority over knowing Jesus. Examining our own hearts. Do we know Jesus as we should? Have we truly trusted in Jesus Christ and in Him alone? Am I His child? And am I making the Lord Jesus Christ the center of my life? Am I reading the Word that God has given me so that I might know Him, know Him personally? And then am I speaking the truth of the Word of God in my conversations with people? And am I speaking the truth by the way I live? If we get sidetracked, we could be saying all the right things and doing them all for the wrong motives. That was happening with these individuals. Paul says first that they were preaching from envy and rivalry. Their motives were selfish. They were promoting themselves over Paul. They were not preaching Jesus out of sincerity. They were in, intentionally trying to add to Paul's difficulty. He says in verse 17 that they were thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. (laughs) Let's cause Paul a little bit more pain. (laughs) They were more about making trouble for Paul than making the gospel of Jesus Christ known. Jesus was not the aim of their affections. We need to admit here that it can be easy for wrong motives to creep into our lives. You realize that, right? And it's easy to get charging ahead and, and then find out later our motives were, were wrong, self-centered, self-focused. You could say all the right things and you could say you believe the right things and you could even be doing right things, but be doing them for the wrong Motives, the wrong reasons. So we should always be checking our motives, examining our own hearts before God's Word, asking for God to help us to be forthright and upright and Christ centered, and in our passion being about making the Lord Jesus Christ known and not about making ourselves known or or advancing our own agenda. Is your greatest desire to know Jesus personally? Is your greatest desire then to serve him and then to make him known? Let us not be the ones serving for wrong motives. Let's not be those people. And if you find that you are being opposed by people with wrong motives, yes, it can hurt. But you can have the Lord's joy as your strength if you will keep focusing on Jesus and keep remembering that should be your passion and not let others hinder you in that. Learn to say, what does it matter? So what? As long as Jesus is being proclaimed, I'm okay. And I can rejoice in the Lord. That's what Paul is saying, in spite of the opposition. In verse 18, he's able to say, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And he says, yes, and I will rejoice. It's like he's reminding himself, I'm going to keep rejoicing. Don't forget this. It's like I think of the man who who came to Jesus and said, I believe, help my unbelief. (laughs) I rejoice, and I will rejoice. That strength that God gave Paul as he focused on Jesus, on on, uh, the gospel of Christ, focusing on that. The people who meant to cause Paul harm could not steal his joy. Because it wasn't based on his circumstances. It was based on his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his knowledge of who Jesus was, his relationship with Christ, and his passion for making Christ known and the gospel known. Now, it wasn't all opposition. We can thank God for that. There's a a ray of hope in this passage, a very big one. It wasn't all opposition. Note that there was joy for Paul in the fact that there were others who were proclaiming Christ out of love. Note how Paul was encouraged by the love of other believers. Look at verse 16. He says, The latter do it out of love. Praise God. We thank God for people like that who proclaim the gospel out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. They had seen Paul's persecution. They had seen how he'd been persecuted. They had seen how he is being opposed by even other believers trying to do him more harm. But they... But they were more concerned about making Jesus Christ known, and they were actually encouraged by Paul and his faithfulness faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. There were people who were preaching from a pure motive. They were preaching out of love. They knew that Paul was a prisoner. They knew he was facing hardship and enduring opposition because of his defense of the gospel. But notice how he remarks that he's, he's put here. He says, I'm put here for a purpose. We talked about this last week. He knew God had him there for a reason. He knew that God was actually advancing the gospel more through him in prison than he would have had he been free for the defense of the gospel. He's put here for a purpose to defend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to make Him known. And these other believers understood this also, that Paul was not in prison because of some character flaw of his. He was not a criminal. He was proclaiming Jesus. He was in prison because of his allegiance to Jesus in his gospel. And the love that's mentioned here seems to refer to their love for Paul. They loved him. They cared about him. And they grieved with him. They felt pain with him as he was persecuted. There were some who didn't love Paul and had taken their eyes off of Jesus and were trying to do Paul more harm, but that's not these people. These people had chosen to join with Paul in preaching and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their motives were right. And Paul had the love and support of other believers who were serving with their focus on Jesus. How encouraging that is. Please do not lose sight of how you can help people have joy in the Lord as you serve Jesus Christ with your motives right, with your eyes fixed on Jesus. That encouraged Paul. That helped him to keep his joy while he was in prison. Think of how encouraging that is. When other believers band together and encourage one another with the same purpose of making Jesus Christ known, that is extremely encouraging. It was encouraging Paul. And it can encourage you when other believers come alongside you and join with you in your purpose of making Jesus known. Now, wherever there are people, there are going to be problems because we are all human And at times, we fail, we sin, and we won't always do the right thing. And we may act from impure motives. But do you see the implication here in what Paul says about these believers who are preaching the gospel of Christ because of their love for Jesus and their kinship with Paul? That ought to be us. That ought to be you. That ought to be your desire to not make trouble, but to make peace, to bring joy. I've told my seven sons over the years, you don't have to be a pastor. I'm not suggesting that you have to be a pastor, but I am suggesting that you should be a faithful church member. You know what it's like to be in the church, growing up from birth, being in the church. You know what it's like to see opposition. You know how hard it is to be a pastor. So go join a church, be a faithful church member, and don't make trouble for your pastor. <laughs> don't be a troublemaker for the people in the church. Be a, be a fellow fellow co-worker with other believers for Jesus. That ought to be all of us. We need each other. We desperately need each other. God's purpose for the church is so that we might gather together to be encouraged, to be corrected in our thinking, to be challenged when we're wrong, so that we might get right with the Lord and then go out from this place and live like Christians in the world who desperately need to see Christ. We need each other. And by God's design, that's on purpose, that we need each other. We build one another up when we serve together with our singular passion and focus on Jesus Christ and on His gospel. So instead of being discouraged by people when they fail us, we can be encouraged and we can know the Lord's joy when we see the people who are working by our side. There may be people who oppose us. But we ought to be able to look around and see numerous numerous people who are serving alongside us, encouraging us with their faithfulness to the Lord, encouraging us with their focus on Jesus Christ and His gospel. Paul may have been discouraged for a time, but he wasn't going to stay discouraged, and he was able to be joyful because he kept the focus on Jesus, and he was encouraged, encouraged by the people who also served with him and alongside him for that same purpose. I say, let's be those people. That when someone in our midst is discouraged because they're being opposed, they might look around and go, wait, but I have these other believers with me with the same message, with the same purpose. There's one more key to Paul's joy scene here it was the fact that he didn't look for revenge against people who meant him harm. Paul didn't seek retaliation. That's important. That's kind of naturally where we go in our human, uh, humanity, isn't it? When someone seeks to harm you, your natural inclination is to want to strike back, defend yourself, make them, uh, you know, make it apparent how wrong they are. If someone makes you look bad, you're, you're going to be tempted to look for an opportunity to make them look bad. It's interesting to note here the meaning of the word rivalry that describes those whom Paul refers to as preaching from envy and rivalry. It was as if they were canvassing for office. (laughs) It's like they were going around asking people to choose up sides. But Paul wasn't trying to get people to choose up sides. He wanted people on Jesus' side. (laughs) He wasn't concerned about whether people were following him. He was concerned about whether people were following Jesus. He wasn't concerned about whether... They were following some other preacher. He wanted them following Jesus. He only wanted people to follow Christ, whether it was the result of his ministry or someone else's ministry. And he was content with that. And we need to be content with that. If Paul had focused on getting even with people who were trying to do him harm, there would have been no joy for Paul. Bitterness is a dangerous thing is a destructive thing in the life of a believer. If Paul had allowed himself to become bitter and resentful, he would not have known the Lord's joy as his strength. He would not have been able to make the statement, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And I would suggest today that if you want to know his, his joy, the joy that Paul experienced, if you want this same joy, then you'll be helped to remember that the Bible teaches you that God will settle all wrongs. Do not forget that. It's not your job to settle all wrongs. That's God's job. You don't need to concern yourself with that. Instead of being concerned with righting wrongs, remember, remember these words from the Bible. Romans 12.10 teaches you to love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If we're going to outdo someone in something, we ought to do it by outdoing them in showing honor, respect, honoring the Lord, honoring them, practicing love. Matthew 5.44 says, To love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. As hard as that is, that is God's command. That is God's word. That's what we ought to pursue. Practice that. And remember that God will deal with the sins of other people. If other people are wrong, God's going to deal with that. When opposed, take a lesson from Paul. He isn't feeling sorry for himself. He isn't trying to get people to feel sorry for him. He isn't thinking about getting even. But he is being encouraged by the love of other people. And he is making his focus, Jesus, and his aim was making known the gospel. And he is joyful. He is rejoicing in the Lord. Can we do that? Yes, we can. we got to make our focus the Lord Jesus Christ. we we got to make our aim his gospel, knowing him personally and making him known. And when we're opposed, we ought to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and thank God for those who have come along beside us and are encouraging us and joining us in the work. The most important key to Paul's joy was his focus on Jesus. That was at the heart of his joy. And it will be at the heart of your joy if you'll focus on Christ. He wasn't worried about himself. And that's a lesson to us, isn't it? It's so hard not to focus on our own needs, our own feelings, our own concerns. Paul wasn't focusing on himself, and that's a lesson for us. He just wanted to know Jesus Christ, he wanted to make him known to other people. I say, let's make that our focus. Let's make that our aim also. Let's be the people who bring joy to each other because we're focusing on Jesus and making His gospel known. Let's refuse to be envious of others. Let's refuse to seek retribution or getting even with others. Let's seek to know Jesus. Know Him personally. Know God's Word. Let's seek to make our aim, spreading the gospel farther and farther. As God gives us opportunity, let's be those people who bring great joy to each other because we're serving in this, in this gospel aim together in making Jesus known. May that be our passion as a church. Let's ask God for His help in this. Our precious Heavenly Father, we do desperately need Your help. We need Your help every day, every moment of every day. Lord, help us to trust in you and depend on you and to seek to honor you in the way that we think, speak, and act. Lord, help our passion to be making the Lord Jesus Christ known. And if we are opposed, when we are opposed, for following you, for speaking the truth of the gospel, Lord, help us to know the joy The only you can give because we're focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, focusing on knowing him personally, trusting in him every day, trusting for your work in our hearts and minds by your spirit and by your word. Lord, help us to be people who who soak our hearts and minds in the truth of the word so that the The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ might just naturally come out of us. We would would not be able to stop it when we have opportunities that you give us, that we would speak of the love of Christ for sinners. Lord, help us to rest in that, in making Jesus known, come what may. Help us to be able to say, so what? Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. May that be our attitude. and May we serve alongside one another, being an encouragement to each other, praying for one another not opposing one another, but sharing in this gospel work. There is plenty of work to go around. Lord, help us to be fellow workers in your harvest, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.